is it <laughs> is it one of those things where like NBA players want to have rap albums where like people that make recipes are like in a way I'm kind of a writer, right? Like let me try my hand a little bit here. For sale, <laughs> baby shoes, never worn. Anyway, here's my lobster. Paste. <laughs> it's like it's like there's like two two sides of it where it's like if you're reading a technical website and they're actually like you're reading like the food lab or something and he's telling you about why and how the recipe's like this mm-hmm. that's one thing but it's like the mommy blogger thing where or yeah. like the overly yeah. eloquent food writer thing where it's like i don't need you to set the entire scene for yeah, how that's a very, you like... made these scones i just want the fucking scones <laughs> that's like, like uh, <laughs> sports writers do that too the very bill simmons thing of like so I was all with uh, One Dick Phil and Big Tiny over at uh, Manasset, and they were saying Tom Brady doesn't have it anymore. 3,000 words about him and his boys. Anyway, Patriots by six. <laughs> I mean, Kenji also at the Food Lab does the nice thing of a whole article about the science and then just the recipe. Or if you're like, I don't want to read yeah. this, you just See, go well, to the like, recipe. Serious Eats has always done that. I used to write for them, and uh, like we, we always had that option. Like There's two links to... Here's I love a story it. about the recipe, and here's just the recipe. Like that's how you should do it. But that's why, like, yeah, that's why I mostly use serious eats. So I love that site. Yeah, no, they're the best. Yeah, that's better. I just wish they had more baking stuff. Stella Parks is amazing. I just she's yeah, mm. Stella's Stella's awesome. Yeah, she was actually the person I used for that cake recipe last night, the chocolate cake. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it turned out really well too. I yeah, it, it was amazing. I was actually warm. worried it would be overly sweet because buttercream is terrible. And no, you know, the, you uh, know buttercream do be like that though. Oh, did you? <laughs> was that the? Was did you use like the the German buttercream or? No, I did American just because I wanted something that I knew for sure could pull off because I wanted to make sure uh-huh. the Mariglaze would work at all. I was going to do Italian originally, or uh, yeah. Stella has a new one with like organic powdered sugar that looked cool too. Um, Interesting. But I, but I ended up just going the normal one. Um, yeah. And I was worried it was going to be overly sweet because buttercreams, American buttercream sucks. And yeah. uh, the chocolate Whoa. cake was awesome. Watch your fucking tongue. <laughs> you have no idea what we're talking about. Well, when you come at American buttercream, that's all I need to know, motherfucker. You better arm up. I'm high speed, low drag, and you're about to get it. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dumb and Awful. This is Brett. This is John. I'm Rob. Don't eat December. Hit me up. <laughs> Jeez. And I'm Anna from The Breadline. Yeah, so this week we have Anna joining us uh, as our special guest. So we're going to talk about a lot of food-related things today, mostly food-related things. Uh, you might have heard from The Breadline Pod, which if you haven't listened, is awesome. They talk about food-related issues from a leftist perspective personal favorite episode is the one about prison system food. There was a bit in there about the uh, sheriff who bought a whole tractor trailer of corn dogs, and that's all the inmates ate for a month. Yeah, but and that, there's also bad things in there you should focus on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it sounds like you guys have a, uh, more on the docket coming soon, Anna? Yeah, we do. Um, the third and final um, episode 
dealing with food assistance should be coming out in the next week. Um, and we are working on getting on a more regular schedule and covering other topics. So I'm going to be looking for, uh, for some possible interview subjects soon. Um, yeah, but we're, we're, we're getting back to work on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, snap. Oh, that, God. <laughs> Jeez, man. A terrible pun. I wrote it down, so I was going to do it. I wasn't happy about it. But like the greatest generation, I nutted up and I got it done. I'll live with the consequences for this maybe the rest of my life. Uh, awesome. Uh, what is, so you guys are finishing up the food assistance one. Is, is there anything else coming up soon that's exciting for you? Um, yeah, we're... Um... We're going to start looking at more food and uh, racial intersections. Um, the history of uh, black farming in the U.S. is something we're going to be covering soon. Um, yeah, we're going to get into um, LGBTQ issues, um, how they intersect with food and farming as well. So a lot, a lot of um, a lot of things up the food chain, more food production. Um, side of things for a little bit that sounds awesome so, i mean that's yeah at some point as my personal suggestion if you guys talked about southern food because there's so mm -hmm. many fucked up racial issues with that so oh absolutely yeah yeah that's i mean that's that's such a complex topic yeah, um yeah. it's something that we need definitely some really good um guests on to have a conversation about that because i'm definitely not qualified to <laughs> to say much about it i'm i'm from maine like <laughs> maine is like honor about so. southern food maine's honorary okay. south to be honest as soon as you <laughs> as soon as you cross the border to kittery you get the shit that new hampshire didn't even want to allow <laughs> oh kittery is just like all the, strip malls and, and great seafood shout that out to kittery trading true. post you know what's up you can get a snow cone and an assault rifle <laughs> oh, you sure can. Kittery is a special place. Yeah, the, the, the best I can do is is I just I just know to like trust Edna Lewis recipes. That's literally my <laughs> like my my relationship with Southern food is oh, that's, Edna. Yeah, that was my whole childhood. My family's super Southern. I loved it. Actually, since yeah. we're talking about it and we're doing a more food related one, uh, let's just everyone's familiarity with food. So this is Brett. My I'm. I'm going to call myself an experienced amateur. I bake a lot. I cook a little bit. Um, I'm okay. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty utilitarian. Like I know uh, like maybe two, three dozen dishes and I just kind of rotate between them because I'm a programmer and, uh, yeah, <laughs> at least it's not soylent. That's true. I, uh, I love food, uh, more than anyone. Probably. I don't make it, but I do put it in my trash and then pour detergent on it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I hate two weeks in a row to go to the, the good book, but if you look at First Kings, King Solomon, you know, the famous story of the mothers bringing the baby before him, and he was like, well, okay, if you both want it, we'll cut it in half. And it was, in fact, the mother who loved the thing, the baby, more than anyone, that she was willing to let it go. See, in this metaphor, the baby's food, anyway, it, it got there. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a few too many Bible jokes for. Uh... It's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> this is his it life joke. Word. <laughs> um, uh, I I'm a I'm a professional pastry chef. I make uh, desserts. 
in restaurants and stuff. Uh, yeah. But I'm what's the best dessert? Pretty lazy as a home cook. The best dessert. Yeah, I don't like, have time for nuance. Period? Just give me the best dessert <laughs> so I can eat that for the rest of my life. I mean, I mean, it 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 depends. It depends how you make it. Like, there's good and bad. No, no time for everything. nuance. I got my thumb over seamless.com uh, right now. Apple pie a la mode. It's fucking apple pie a la mode, and we Fuck all know. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's like that's, if there's one pie, is a good choice. It's like we were, yeah, that's that's my favorite. Pie is my favorite thing to make and eat. Hell yeah! See, you can talk about southern food. You're good. That's true. That's true. I do. I do. Like my one of my one of my pipe dreams one day is to like have a little traveling like van with like an oven in it, and I can travel the country and bake pies with their local produce. And Damn, that's it. That's a really that's cool dream, <laughs> actually. Yeah, that's that's wow. Like that's a that's, that's a, pretty good. That's <laughs> that's such a high end version of my my idea. If I ever had a food truck, would be to serve just two pies, a savory uh-huh. and a sweet every day. Damn, that's pretty interesting. That's practical. That's good too. That's yeah. good too. Like, never thought about produce though. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, my idea was, what if a suka langley came to life? So you, you, both the yours is <laughs> way better. <laughs> I just want to say that I don't think I ever bring up anime first on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just could put that out there, John. <laughs> uh, so, Anna, you're a professional chef, uh, professional yes. pastry chef. And you were saying you used to work at uh, this restaurant in Boston that I, I hadn't heard of because I am not a Northeasterner and I'm illiterate about what's out here. It's called Parker House. Is that right? So I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't work there, but I worked for a chef who told me the story. I don't know if he had ever worked there before, but he told me, um, like, Parker House is one of the most famous hotels in the country. That's where Boston Cream Pie and Parker House Rolls, which would be super famous rolls, come from. But they're like this crazy high-end hotel. And he told me that uh, Ho Chi Minh had worked there as a pastry chef at one point, which um, I, seems to be true. Like, dude went all around the world uh, working, cooking on ships and in restaurants and stuff for a while. So he was always trying to get me to make a Boston Cream Pie um with like a Vietnamese coffee filling, which I never did, but that <laughs> it does sound. Amazing. But yeah, it does. Know. Like that sounds that sounds awesome. So I should do that at some point. Um, so thanks, Chef John, for the idea, and also, I mean, Parker House. Um, Malcolm X worked there too as a busboy at one point. Do you think they were friends? <laughs> what? No, it was a totally. It was like sixty years yeah, later. But do, you, do you like to just sometimes <laughs> imagine them as friends? <laughs> I actually I was trying to find more information about it and I did find I did find like this New England folklore blog that says um that says that's a lot of activism coming out of one kitchen. I think the moral here is to always tip your server well because you never know when they might start a revolution. That's and awesome. I think that's just a good lesson for life. That's a good philosophy to espouse. I mean, honestly, that sounds like a, a good reason to tip them very poorly. Yeah, I'm an I mean, acceleration. Get some, get some <laughs> gear. Like, Fuck them. Be like, comrade, you're gonna support. You're gonna thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> it's like leave one of those fake dollars. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, just like Karl Marx, uh, one billion oh, workers. Instead of, instead, of, instead of religious writing in it, it's just like communist agitation. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure all of the uh, DC restaurant scene thing where these the the right wing politicians are getting run out is because the restaurant workers are giving a head nod to the Metro DC DSA. And that's why they know like Ted Cruz is eating here tonight. I feel yeah, like. yeah, they've they've absolutely been like tipping them off and stuff. Um, but there's no other so the way. The hammer and sickle should be a hammer and spatula. I wish you were yeah. dead. <laughs> it totally could be. <laughs> no, if those guys, if those guys at those restaurants aren't to the left in whatever way, whatever way they realize their political thought, well, then I, they're crazy. They, I mean. The interesting thing is, like, D.C. had, um, like, they passed the um, tipped wage um, bill where they were supposed to get um, yeah. a, a raise, like, tipped workers, like, servers and bartenders and stuff. It passed um, by a pretty big margin, and, like, maps showed that, like, the working class neighborhoods were the ones that voted for it. So the workers said, give us a raise, and the patrons voted we don't want you to have a raise and the owners um and the restaurant owners and then the dc council overturned it they're centrist fucking democrats this whole city is they Democrat. are they are it's i mean it's the it's the biggest illustration of like why voting doesn't necessarily fix things like yeah, you yeah. voted these people in and then you voted this your will and then they overturned your will so you're not yep. supposed to be mad at them Yep. No, they they all need they all need to burn like that 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 was that's pr- that's a really unforgivable offense to the that any of them that any of them should never be able to live down. Yeah, it it's, fucking... like, it's like you're you're just radicalizing the staff at this point. Like, that's a net good, honestly. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm actually going to be down in D.C. next week, so hit me up. <laughs> yeah, come drink, John. <laughs> I'm going to be in D.C. too, maybe, if I figure this out. If you figure out how trains work? Yeah. Mm. One day. Not today, I can show you guys all the sites of the overpriced restaurants in D.C., and then we can drive the 45 minutes outside the city to get the real shit in Annandale. Yeah, you know where that real shit goes down. Annandale, Maryland. Annandale, Virginia. Ah, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck about (laughs) where Annandale is? Yo, if you give a fuck, you could dumb and awful at dumb and awful. Just fucking let me know. You don't exist. (laughs) Annandale's where all the Korean food is, Rob. I figured you'd be into that. Ooh. Yeah. All right. All right. I always go where that is. That's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Annandale has the best food in the region, but it is sparse. It is at the edge of the Beltway. It's very far away from the city itself. Because they've driven out all the all the uh, immigrant community, basically doesn't live in D.C. anymore. So the D.C. food scene is designed around uh, corporate carts. So it's it's good, oh, yeah. but never quite as good as the price point. Yeah, that's like the Delmonico's effect down in Lower Manhattan. Like they're like, eh, this isn't great, but it's not shit either. Anyway, you got a charge card and work upstairs. So fucking give me your money. There yeah. seems to be a mutual respect yeah. for that. The food scene in New York is honestly depressing. It's- getting homogenous and like everyone's trying too hard no i can get korean avocado toast for 40 dollars if i go out to flushing so <laughs> things are very vibrant here <laughs> also everyone has the korean avocado toast so well speaking too. of trying too hard there is this awesome there's this awesome article on eater about tech bros getting into bread baking 
And no one I'm tries sorry. as hard as these fucking nerds. I bet they're going to bring a lot to it and not in any way make it Ugh. suck all of a sudden and run it into the ground. That's my hypothesis. <laughs> we'll see what Let's happens. Let's see if you're at right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance for, for my people. <laughs> Are you claiming tech bros? I mean, I kind of have to. I mean, they are like, oh. I, no, I get I you. A that's, lot of them. That's how I, I feel about the Southern Slavs. Like, do, do, you know, <laughs> do you know how many conversations I've had about Bitcoin? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a great <laughs> sentence. I'm going to put that on your headstone when you die. <laughs> so for those who don't know what we're talking about, let me, let me give you a few... Uh, dope quotes so essentially the tech bros always casting about for a way to save their souls because they're being consumed by the garbage industry they're in have decided to move towards bread baking specifically sourdough bread uh so here's here's sort of the the uh, good quote that describes the situation here fred Beninson, a former vp of data now a fellow at kickstarter real cool guy created a thorough, detailed spreadsheet that breaks down the timing to bake this country loaf in precise in increments down to the minute. There are now high-efficiency tools like the $245 Forno home oven, which absorbs, stores, and radiates heat evenly. If that like is, an oven. Yeah, as if that's somehow an advancement. <laughs> oh, damn. They, uh, they created a need I did not know I had that I can fulfill by spending so, capital. They are so good at inventing things that already exist. <laughs> Justin Lamb, a mechatronics engineer, did an extended experiment with monitoring his sourdough starter through computer vision. The head of communications at Microsoft has, quote, owner of a fine sourdough starter in his star Twitter profile. Yeah, those guys, are, those guys fuck. Yeah, it's it's depressing. <laughs> Making all of the fun out of baking. It was, I can okay. I can understand having the like primal urge to do something with your hands mm -hmm. when you're on computers all day. Like I get that. That's part of why I do what I do. But then they immediately suck everything that's like therapeutic about baking out of it, like feeling the dough and knowing and being comfortable with it, and turn it into just another spreadsheet. And it's that's so alien. Yeah, it's... it's a, go ahead, John. What's up? I was going to say, Rob, this is a lot like when you're talking about MMR in, like, uh, in like, in like Dota and whatnot. Like, okay. it, it seems like the same kind of thing. Like, these people could just be, like... They, they could have just done the normal thing nerds do and just get really into video gaming and then try and, like, science the hell out of that. But instead, they're making bread. Which I guess is a... A little better, but oh man, they just, it's just soulless. Yeah, no, this reminds me of people that like, actually, and we have this in New York, and I know this secondhand, so I'm one dimension removed from how dorky this is, but like tech bros will show up to Dungeons and Dragons get togethers and just bring in these character sheets that are super min max so that they get every possible like yeah. PowerPoint out of it. And when people are like, Oh, fare thee well, sire. We shall be at the tavern. They're like, yo, I I'm going to run out of my buff in 30 minutes. Let's go. This is the bread it's equivalent of that. It. It's a good way to describe it. The these dudes are trying to min-max bread. That's fucking yeah. weird. That's fu like, here's... Uh, 
this Benison dude talks about it. Bread, quote, has all these degrees of freedom. That's a term people use in algorithms where there are lots of different possible ways that something could be implemented. You can do creative coding, and at the end of the day, you're just like, I made a form on a web page. It doesn't have an audience that is going to vis viscerally appreciate it like a loaf of sourdough. Yeah, the visceral part of it, dude, is the part where it's it, the therapeutic, the sort of you're, you're connecting to this practice that has existed for millennia. Don't be a fucking weirdo and turn it into a science project. Like the part of this that frustrates me is that they're approaching every hobby the same way they approach their work life, which is to act like a robot. When the reason you're trying to find these hobbies in the first place is because you are an emotional being and you need some outlet that's not another fucking robotic approach to it. And baking is a good fucking outlet, but it doesn't work if you turn it into a mathematical equation because you are never going to capture all of the different factors in the environment that make a cake perfect or piece of bread perfect. Yeah, well, bread, bread especially. You have things like wild ferments, your... You can't, you can't control every aspect of it. You can't control the humidity of the room. You can't control the exact temperature of any given room. Like, there's a point in the article where, um, they, you know, the, um, uh, Chef, uh, Robertson, um, from Tartine in San Francisco, which is like, that's, it's this sourdough bakery, and that's kind of why they've all latched onto it, because it's right there in San Francisco. Mm. But they're like, a, like they're like coming up to him on the street and saying like, but what if the temperature is two degrees off? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're literally bothering the man. <laughs> like he's like, you can't just tell me the bread is good. Like, <laughs> or you just get experience. Like it's a lot of. There's a reason why anything made by a grandma who's been cooking her whole life tastes a thousand times better than what you're gonna make. Just. A, a, a lifetime of wisdom and experiment experience will make the end product better, right? Like grandma magic is a fucking thing for baking and no one can convince me otherwise. That's why Southern food from an old grandma is, is a thousand times better than anything I could ever make. Well, that's, it's interesting that you bring up the grandma cooking thing too, because that's another thing that keeps coming up in this, this article is that the differences in gender and the way that men and women are like approaching the recipes and how like making bread is still seen as something that's a little bit more masculine than making pastries and making desserts, which is still seen as somewhat feminine, even though a lot of the most famous like European pastry chefs are men. Yeah, and it's, the... just, it's just frustrating that there's still so much gender. And then you have like any famous male chef and he's going to talk about how, how great his grandma's food was, you know? And yeah, there's this interesting through so line, sexist. both in this article, and I, I mean, I think it's reflected at large in the industry, too, of the difference in gender dynamics and how people approach food, where if you're a man, you automatically get this level of respect. So Tartine, this bakery that started it all, it's run by a couple, right? And, and the wife is the one doing everything but the bread, essentially. So the original... Uh, article they got the original description they got from uh or excuse me the original review that they got which was very complimentary mark Bittman wrote a nice thing about them it was about her liz pruitt there it is yeah so liz liz pruitt is is the one making all of the french style pastry uh which is incredibly complicated she's the one who mark Bittman devotes most of his um 
really amazing review too. And then he sort of like offhandedly mentions this, this dude, Chad Robertson, her husband who does the bread. And then later he publishes a book and that blows up. So to this day now, their bakery is now being discussed as his thing, right? This thing that he created because of the bread. Uh, and the same thing happened previously uh, with the whole no need uh, bread recipe thing. Uh, a woman, Suzanne Dunaway, wrote an entire book on it in 99. No one noticed. It got no fanfare. And then in 2006, Mark Bittman writes about this dude, Jim Leahy, who has a no-need bread recipe, and that blows up. Right? Well, and you, you that's see good it. good bread. <laughs> it is. Both of those are good. I've tried. I've used both the book and his recipe, and they're both awesome, especially because I'm lazy. Nice. But it, you see it over and over again in this both in this article, and again, I think it reflects a broader issue here, which is when a man starts ta start talking about these things or gets involved in this world, suddenly it's considered, uh, now it's interesting. Now all of these bros in Silicon Valley, it's, it's good for them. So when Robertson wrote his book about bread, then that now it's a big deal because this guy wrote a book for us, helping explain how to do this shit, which is infuriating and ridiculous because they're just ignoring a huge portion of the pastry world, uh, of the professional pastry chef world. No, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what happens. It's, it's female chefs, the pastry chefs, the bakers. It's not a big deal until a guy does it. It's like we were, we were talking about Southern food earlier, and I said I love Edna Lewis. And it's funny because when I was looking for a recipe, the first thing I did was I grabbed Sean Brock's cookbook. And I was like, this recipe is ridiculously technical, and I don't have these ingredients. Let me see if Edna Lewis has a recipe. And she did, and it was fucking awesome. Like it's so frustrating that that that's perpetuated by this, even unintentionally. Just that it, it's like these reclusive male circles where things just keep it's a feedback loop. Yeah, but Anna, do you ever just like bite into a piece of barbecue and go like, "Damn, did a mysterious ass man make this?" <laughs> <laughs> I can taste the difference. <laughs> this. This barbecue was made. This was touched by a woman. This is unclean. <laughs> this barbecue is a little too <laughs> you know, emotional. You really, you, you really think <laughs> that the difference in barbecue is regional, but it's not. It's a hundred percent gender. Sorry, guys. <laughs> barbecue is a hundred percent gender. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole new approach to barbecue that I've never thought about till now. <laughs> it's like. Like an old, like an old, like old English, like you know, you have to. If it's the the blood moon, the women have to be sent away, or they'll spoil the milk. Like they'll <laughs> ruin the barbecue. No, they gotta stand make by the, the cold for the run full too hot. Hours. <laughs> that this is perfectly formulated to trigger people on the right, being like, "Hey, you know your barbecue? It's gendered now." Hey, <laughs> gender reveal barbecue. <laughs> Uh, so they, uh, the article even mentions this, that these bros just like walk in and, and elevate other men. And uh, the quote was like, these tech bros who often unknowingly operate in closed loop communities where men elevate men. Quick pause here. There's no unknowingly. People have been really <laughs> fucking clear that you only interact with other bros, you weirdos. Like there's no, there's, you know what's happening. You just choose to keep doing it because you're comfortable. Anyway, no, no, I'm pretty sure they are actually they literally just ignore all criticism and only care about what other pros say. 
So, yeah, they actually have not noticed. C- it. Counterpoint, and look, now to play devil's advocate here, is there any chance that they'd be open to women, but they go, yo, all you guys do is talk about JavaScript and sourdough. I'm fucking bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> I, at that point, I agree with the women. Like, why bother interacting with them at that point? I mean, there are a lot of women who only care about, like, JavaScript or baking or whatever. It's just, they, I mean, I guess most of them do actually have, like, some sort of hobby outside of that, which does make you a bit different than the tech bro. And, and here's the real important bit. Most women, because of the way our culture trains the various genders, are capable of baseline emotional interaction and have a baseline emotional intelligence that these tech bros fucking lack. In all things, hey, yo, I don't follow. Yo, th- this guy keeps trying to red pill me on Ezekiel bread. I think I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole tech community is an entire community that desperately needs just the basics of like recognizing their own emotions. I feel this way when I do this thing. Like, yeah, no, it, it, you guys just need to figure it out. It's not, it's a little scary. I get it masculinity is broken so we're all flying blind here and no one wants to explain to you that there are more more emotions than hungry horny and angry of which only one of those is an emotion but you know probably the right time to start figuring it the fuck out you can do mathematical research on it guys just make the attempt to connect with anything other than a goddamn spreadsheet on how to do any activity in your life See, and this is why the the uh, getting them into anime helped a bit because. <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. I'm just right now. I'm killing it. I mean, <laughs> it just does give them a venue into fiction that does at least uh, often have some kind of emotional pull, which you're definitely not getting from uh, from what they get otherwise of course it doesn't really work most of the time which is why we have so many anime nazis but (laughs) (laughs) oh my god sorry sorry (laughs) sorry i if if we start talking about tech bros i've got a lot pent up inside and it's just gonna kind of explode out go go off king yeah does anyone else Uh, want to use slurs while we're in the non-publishable bit of this (laughs) wait 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 wait. did i use a slur go i don't think did I use a slur? I don't think I did. No, but if you got one, let's. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying there's no possible way this anime chunk is making it. No, I kind of love it. Oh fuck! All right. I love that he started fault. with. I love that he started with. No, it, this is why anime is important. Uh, but it's not working. They're all Nazis. <laughs> I, I mean, it, like it, it gets Nazis. it gets some of them out. Like that's all you can hope for. I just, I, mean, I just like to point out that this conversation started, like, just so how far we've fallen. It was started on, if I'm correct, the creation of sourdough bread as refutation of the determinist metaphysics of Laplace's demon, i.e. <laughs> the grandmother's hands and the unknowability of space. And now we're on anime is important because it makes Nazis. Wait, hold on. Let me... <laughs> I'm just saying the Nazis were being made anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that, John. Oh, you're welcome. I, I will say the the other little bit of this is uh, these dudes are inserting themselves into the baking world and they're posing as experts. 
Um, because of course, if you are an expert at coding, you're an expert at everything. That's how that works. Definitely. Uh, but one of the other really awesome bits in here is that they're all terrified of being emasculated because they bake, like just uh -huh. fucking terrified of it. Uh, but this dude Robertson talks about it like women are more matter of fact with the bread recipe. They just make it. Yeah. That's what you do with recipes, Robertson. <laughs> you fucking make them. As opposed to what? <laughs> As opposed to breaking it down into its constituent parts and putting it on a spreadsheet and no, I, I gotta, control testing. I, I got to make this as scientific as possible, lest someone question the alphaness of my job as UX developer uh, at Google. Like, what are you going to do if you give your if you give your colleague a slice of bread and he asks what the exact hydration level was and at what temperature was your second ferment? I mean, if you don't know the answer, you're you're done with this company. Yeah, you're never going to fuck again. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick story because this this does uh, hit home for me. I I got really into baking uh, basically since I was a kid because my mom bakes a lot, and my grandma bake a lot because they're southern. But I didn't start baking weekly until I was in the military and I was stationed in Germany. And I was on night shift in Germany in a small town. So there's nothing to do past like eight o'clock. And we had rotating weekends. So you didn't even have the same days off as your friends. Like if you did, that was a huge event where like you definitely plan a whole thing around it. So usually you're on your own in the middle of nowhere uh, for 15 hours with nothing to do. So I would just bake all the time and I'd try new recipes and I'd take them into work. And at first, there was a little bit of weirdness where people are like, why is this guy bringing in cakes and pies? Uh, but the food was good. So all of the younger people, which was most of the unit, most people were under 24, 25, would just shut up and eat it. My biggest issue early on was actually that all of the kids from small towns in the Midwest were terrible at trying new stuff. So I'd have to convince them, like, I know this sounds a little weird, because it incorporates two new flavors, but like, I promise you, it's good. Just give it a shot. And so that worked fine. But the crusty old sergeants, the dudes in the like 40s to 50s, were always a little weird about it. And then one time I brought in uh, chocolate cupcakes with a raspberry jam filling and a raspberry mascarpone whipped cream frosting. And they were delicious. But color theory here raspberries red mascarpone and whipped cream are white that checks out which makes mm -hmm. which makes pink right so mm -hmm. it's pink icing and uh so i sit down i bring cupcakes and i sit down and people are eating them and this uh mass surgeon leans over and he's like so uh what are they pink i was like explain, <laughs> i explained color theory to him just to be a dick and he was like no no I, I i know that but like come on like why are they pink and i was like again red plus white he's like you know what i mean Come on, man. Like, why are you, why are you making pea cupcakes? It's like, listen here, Master. Why don't you try them? And if you still have dumbass questions, we can talk about them at that point. Um, and he tried one and then apologized. And it was awesome. I just realized for the first time face. ever that your master sergeant was hitting on you. You mentioned that his, <laughs> you mentioned that his, you didn't say it this time, but he had his, his boot up on the desk and he was going, come on though. Why are you making it pink? And you were just so clueless. <laughs> oh, you're the villain in the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, he was married. You know? I, I, I don't. I don't. Fuck oh, with that. on that case, it oh. definitely could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so the the whole them being terrified of women thing and being terrified of being emasculated because they bake is 
is so inherently absurd to me because it's food. It's deli- like the fat kid in me is like, who gives a shit? Just enjoy the tasty food. Enjoy the fact that you found something that like you enjoy. That's a creative outlet that is also tasty. And don't don't be weird tech bros about everything. Just calm the fuck down about it. Oh, here it is. Uh, this dude's talking about his baking. It's like, quote, my girlfriend made this point that was like, maybe sourdough is interesting to male nerds because it's this way to be precise in cooking that doesn't involve pastries, which has this very gendered association. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think I'm oh. gay. <laughs> That's what he said. His, his poor girlfriend is like, sure, dude. It's, 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 it's super masculine. <laughs> he went on the record with a journalist and said, I'm afraid of croissants. And no, I won't say a croissant because then you're super gay. <laughs> Listen, I'm also afraid of croissants, but just because that dough takes forever to make. Brother, ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> They're a pain in the ass. <laughs> One last thing before we move on, because this, it, the, the term that these people use on social media made me gag a little. And this whole opening is basically rich, bored people trying to find new shit to do. Oh, yeah. No, I remember so, what this is. Yep. So, so it starts with, uh, this, how this, this thing opens your local bakery likes likely sells decent loaves of it. Your favorite farm to table restaurant is charging for it. And if you keep the company of millennials with sufficient disposable income and leisure time, oh, by the way, you're by sure. The way, yes. I, as a millennial, definitely have a favorite farm to table restaurant and I spend <laughs> su- apparently sufficient disposable income and leisure time with my millennial <laughs> pals continue so far. You're checking all the boxes. <laughs> You're surely fewer than two degrees of separation from a sourdough bread baking hobby. That's a scary thought. These, Continue. These well-off, internet-raised 20 and 30-somethings what, have wait, turned... Wait, 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 what? <laughs> Who are these well-off 20 and 30... God damn it. I mean, I guess the tech no. literally, right? literally just Literally just tech bros. Yeah. Uh, these twenty internet-raised 20 and 30-somethings have turned to baking bread to self-impose a little off time, offline time. It can take upwards of 40 hours to make just one loaf. Girl, same. To get... <laughs> To get closer to their mythical human roots, to go back to a time when everything took forever and nothing could be seamless. If you didn't know about this new offline hobby, don't worry. It's being obsessively documented online. Crumb shots, images Ooh. of the interior texture of Crumb a lump of sourdough, <laughs> are now pandemic on social media as novelty milkshakes once were. Oh, I'm dabbing my brow with a seersucker sponge right now. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard anyone say crumb shots, and it's hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, the, the best part is that you're saying, oh, it's this it, it's this great way to get your people offline. And then it's like, oh, and they were all, of course, it's all going on social media. Every, everything is documented. Yeah, that, that, yeah, every single aspect. He didn't even make it through the rest of the paragraph to be like, psych, it's definitely going to dominate your life online. Not, of course. Not for nothing. Crumb shots are now as <laughs> pandemic on social media as novelty milkshakes once were. A, it's a reference I don't get. That's a terror. That is a curse sentence. B, <laughs> Calling something a pandemic of crumb shots is just... <laughs> that's obviously terrible writing. That's a, a cursed turn of phrase. That said, it will 100% be slightly amended. The title of a new project I'm working on, I will not be talking about it here. <laughs> it, it, you what? know the first time someone said it, they went and high-fived the dude next to him. Because we, we, we know exactly what they mean when they're saying that. Oh, when you search Instagram for crumb shots, it's just a series of uh, what are clearly the hands of white men holding sourdough bread. Oh, yeah, bread. The, big, the big 
big hands, you can see how large and manly their hands are. <laughs> hands are. They like hold out, it, hold out two halves of a perfect loaf. It's, it's funny <laughs> too. That's such a rookie mistake because actually the, the large hands makes the crumb shot look smaller. <laughs> oh, so you're saying they should all get their Asian wives in there? <laughs> oh Jesus! It's slur time yet again. <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. I, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> yeah, that's. Ooh. We can end on on John slur. Uh, we need John to be like, I'm Asian. It's okay. <laughs> I'll save that for my defense. I, I actually listened to some of that, and boy, and I went, man, do I sound white? Like you never really, you never really notice it until you listen to a recording of yourself, and then I was like, holy shit, I sound white. <laughs> You were talking about those those uh, lion head meatball things. Those sound amazing. You gotta share that recipe, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's basically you just take like pork and mix in a bunch of tofu, so the so the meatball puffs up really nice. Oh, that's how that's how I make dumpling filling. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Half tofu, half ground pork. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. I've I've never done that tofu with the dumpling filling, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, as a lot of moisture. Yep. Ah, yes. Clever. Yeah. It, it, it. Yeah. It adds a. It, it adds a lot of sponginess to it that, like Americans, use breadcrumbs for it instead. But <laughs> yeah, which dry it out. So I'd rather do the, the soy for that. Do you, Do you guys have a specific sauce for the meatballs too? I mean, I just I just take uh, use like a uh, like a like a chicken broth base and then just add a bunch of like soy sauce, salt, and spices to it. See, that part's fascinating to me. That like, depending on your cultural background the way your default recipe and sauces work looks so different, right? Mm. Than other oh, yeah. people's. I don't know. That stuff, I, I love that shit. Like I didn't even, I didn't have a dumpling until I was like 18 or 19. And my mom cooks, cool. my mom is also like pretty uh, open to new foods and she always trying new things. But like, we just didn't really get to dumplings until I was, yeah, in high school, like junior, I senior, didn't, high Yeah, school. I didn't, that wasn't something we had in Maine at all. I didn't have a dumpling until I came to live in New York. Exactly, and it makes me sad because they're easily one of my favorite foods of all time. Dumplings are yeah. perfect. Yeah. Hey, Rob, we're just talking about dumplings. Dumplings, pretty good. Pretty Soup good, cheap food. Better. It's no Peking duck. It's no Korean barbecue. But a nice, a nice <laughs> dumpling on a Sunday afternoon, I'll take it. Mm. I don't know. Dumplings versus Peking ducks a hard one. I do love dumplings. It's, that's that what are you? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> that's, ducks that's are like amazing. Caviar duck, duck is... rice krispie treats. Like they're both fine, but <laughs> duck is what got me to renounce vegetarianism. So. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Here, here, no, here's here's the logic. It's the difference between a movie that's amazing that you watch once a year and one that you watch over and over again. I can have dumplings every fucking week and they're amazing. Peking duck is like a every six months to a year kind of thing, right? So do I want the that's, thing that's incredible that's that I have true. a lot or do I want the thing that's incredible that I have every once in a while? And like, I don't know. I, I You know, I really like watching Groundhog Day 30 times a year. It's amazing. <laughs> Very normal behavior. You win the argument. <laughs> Groundhog Day is a good tech bro movie because once again it shows someone reliving the same day over and over again for God knows how long, never learning anything, trying to create the perfect day. Yeah, just constantly tweaking little little things on the stupid spreadsheet. Oh, way to way to ruin the movie, John. Yep, you're welcome. <laughs> yep. Although my favorite thing to do while watching is figuring out how long he's actually been trapped there. 
be like, all right, he's a master piano. That's at least a decade. Yeah, somebody figured it out. Oh, I'm sure. And I think I think uh, uh, Ramey, Harold Ramey or whatever, uh, who wrote it, actually said something about it. But I was like, no, fuck that. I, this is my own fan theory. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out for myself. <laughs> That's cool. Let me continue to ruin it. Uh, Groundhog's Day is a pickup artist fantasy because the premise is that with enough time, you can figure out exactly the combination to the safe lock <laughs> that is that big haired bitch's pussy. <laughs> but the combination was being a better person. The combination is being like an emotionally capable, better human. Well, that's Hollywood fantasy. For well, you. I guess I guess the ends justify the means for this guy, huh? <laughs> if if pickup artistry was people actually becoming better humans, and they're like, man, women are more attracted to me now that I uh, have emotional regulation and the ability to connect on a deeper level. He spent fifteen like, years learning French and playing piano so he could fuck in his endless day. Yeah, but he, it didn't work until he actually became a decent person, which is sort of the point. He tried to build the perfect key and it didn't work. And then once he finally gave up and actually improved as a human, suddenly she was interested. Brett, do you want the dark answer here? Oh, I, guess. I love that we use the term dark 40 times in episode. Well, it's because the, the, <laughs> it's because the pickup artist thing is them improving as people. They're learning any. They're learning anything about fashion. They're dre- They're they're cleaning themselves properly. They're at least they're at least talking and listening to women, even if they're doing it to try and advance like a mathematical formula of how to get laid. PUA. That's still improving compared to what they were do- doing before. It's pickup apologia featuring John. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. Leave all the anime and cut that out. <laughs> Brother, you made no. your bed. <laughs> John's a reactionary pickup apologist. Things John likes: anime, pickup artistry, uh, Jill Stein, barbecue where <laughs> Jill Stein, barbecue where a man clearly touched it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from I'm from Boston, so we're making barbecue the worst. Like it's it's wrong. If someone gave like, me I don't know. barbecue, I throw it in the garbage. I have never thought about barbecue from Boston before, and I'm really angry that I have to do that. <laughs> it's just a potato <laughs> with sriracha on it. There's a restaurant by me called Tennessee's Tennessee's Barbecue that they make a great uh, burrito of pulled pork. It's fantastic. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to reject that. What I that. want is a pulled pork burrito from Boston. <laughs> That's a fucking cursed dish right there. I mean, it's, it, it is actually pretty good, but I've I. My mother went to Houston and brought back some barbecue last year. And after eating it, I went, "Okay, yeah, you're you're fully right. We we do have utterly lousy barbecue, where three day old reheated is so much better than what what I whatever I've had locally from like twenty different restaurants." Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah. Plus, yeah, 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 of course it still tastes decent. Pulled pork is fucking delicious. Even if you fuck it up, it's still okay. And then a burrito is also good. So, like, yeah, I get why it's still edible, but it's not barbecue. They've, re- they've really given themselves no. several layers of protection against it tasting poor. The pulled pork <laughs> and the burrito is that can only be there for self defense. It's not like they came up with that and were proud, like, as fucking two things we do in Boston championships and pulled pork burritos. Hey, what's up to Somerville? <laughs> Oh, man, Boston would be so much cooler. Listen, I'm just going to go to the Parker house, and then after having my incredible socialist dessert, I'm going to go get some pulled pork burritos. <laughs> so 
perfect day in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully the Patriots lose on the same day. That that's the perfect day. <laughs> Uh, so while I would love to make this a food-only episode, there is a pretty big piece of news that came out this week that deserves to be talked about. While I am, in general, a pretty garbage leftist, the one thing that always gets me going is labor issues. Also, so also those- uh, lowly anime, for some reason. I just <laughs> feel like I should bring that up so you're not lying. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. So this week, GM announced that they're going to do these massive layoffs. Um, they're going to lay off about 14,000 people, shut three big factories and a t- two smaller facilities, uh, which is huge news. And this is massive. Um, I, I, I just want to give a quick overview of what Jim's been doing since that bailout. So you get a sense of how utterly fucked up this is. So in 08, the U.S. bailed them out with $51 billion. We got back about $39 billion of that. Um, UAW agreed to a ton of cuts to dental and eye care, new higher wages got scaled back instead of annual raises. They're on fucking profit sharing 401ks instead of pensions. Uh, the big one was they agreed to not strike. So, which massively reduced labor costs. Uh, yeah, it it moved the break even point for GM down to by, by like 6 million cars. It reduced it. Uh, even though labor is only like 10% of the vehicle costs. Uh, in 2013, the U.S. sold the last of its GM stock. In 2014, Mary Barra became the first female CEO of GM and of any global automaker. And they, they happened to do this really positive thing at the same time that it turned out that there was this big ignition switch scandal where a bunch of vehicles they made from 06 to 08, uh, the ignition switch would occasionally just shut off and cause people to die. Um 13 people died from that because of the fact that they went through bankruptcy. They got to avoid all litigation over that. So great timing for them. And then just since Trump became president, they got uh, $500 million from the tax cuts. Uh, people think they lost upwards of $700 million from this Trump trade bullshit. So it's been a real up and down for them. And now they're cutting 15% of their workforce. Uh, they're shutting enough factories in Detroit, the Detroit Hamtrak facility, Oshawa, Ontario, uh, about 2,500 people in, in Canada. So the rest of the 12,000 in America. Uh, Lordstown Assembly in Warren, Ohio, which is going to destroy that town. And then two smaller facilities in Baltimore and Warren, Mich- Michigan. Yeah, that's going to be and old just, Wild West ghost town level shit that's yeah. about to hit Lordstown. Mm-hmm. Imagine 14,000 people are suddenly unemployed in your town of, I don't know, 15,000. I don't know who's in Lordstown. I'm not going to find out. Exactly. And then just to sum up how fucked this is, their stock price went up by about 7% immediately on the news. Yeah, all glory to the shareholders. Well, they cut costs, you know? They're delivering uh-huh. better. Commendable. This one is this one's really frustrating. Uh, these haven't hit yet. So uh, the media at large took a bunch of different approaches to this. Uh, some people blame Trump because of the tax cuts and then the the trade war bullshit. Uh, some people went like, oh no, this is just smart. Uh, to the Chicago Tribune, which put out this editorial saying, what's good for GM and its employees is making steady profits. Uh, and they had this quote in there about it where it would be helpful if Trump recognized that being president doesn't make him economies are. He can levy tariffs or otherwise badger CEOs, but he can't force companies to continue to operate factories that aren't profitable. 
employers will do what's best for their interests because that's how they stay in business and not incidentally how they pay competitive salaries to their workers. Yeah, except that like literally hasn't happened. That's sort of the, the whole point. Uh, that, thanks, for, thanks for the take though. Was it Washington? No, Chicago Tribune editorial board. So they're the bad paper in Chicago. And <laughs> their take, though, while shitty, is enjoyable, but only because I personally love watching one dumbass own another dumbass by being a dumbass. <laughs> like, he, he started, like, oh, you can't just levy uh, and badger CEOs because, you know, employers will do what's best for their interests. That's how they stay in business, incidentally, how they pay competitive salaries to their workers. Again, by the end of his paragraph, he's already stated something that is never going to happen and refutes everything he said prior. But he just likes sounding smart about it. I, I don't know. That, 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 that's just to me, there's something there that I hate. There's so <laughs> many things in that one that I hate. It's like, it's, it's because well, it's written, it is- I think, in the, the sort of pedantic editorial style where he's just like, um, actually, sex is not when one pees in another's butt, but rather when one defecates in the other's <laughs> vagina. It's like all, like all the terminology is there, but he's just a pedantic dumbass. <laughs> he's as dumb in his economic theory as the people he's criticizing, like the president. Only he just uses the right words, so people go like, hmm, got him. Uh, yeah, I was just, just looking at that, that piece and... It does conclude with what's good for General Motors is good for the country. That is so der- like it's almost it's almost thing. like it's just a patently deranged fantasy to think that the free, unfettered, invisible hand of the market is just going to automatically produce positive material outcomes for exactly the number of people living in our country. Like it's almost like the system. It's, it's out. It's outdated. It's like outdated data. It's everything. It's nothing can continue the way it has been. So exactly, it's like weird it's dream data, like like as if the system isn't predicated yeah. on some people getting fucked over for the benefit of others. What the exact number of people our economy is going to take care of is our citizen count. Like this, and the guy argues that here. We're just like, yeah, well, it's actually good for those fourteen k to be out of work because uh, I don't know. Stock prices are good. Anyway, sometimes you can pee in the butt, too. <laughs> well, I mean, Fox Business followed this up with one of their fucking hosts saying, being being worried that this might push people towards socialism now. <laughs> they because, should keep saying things like that. It's totally, it's totally, totally not damn, terrible. If we keep <laughs> fucking up, people are going to want a non-fucked up version. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers that that never Just happens. keep doing the phrase. Please keep giving it free advertising. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a continuous thing. Of Fox News is the best proponent of socialism in like media they in the really US. They really are. It's amazing. <laughs> hey, this guy's argument for socialism was amazing too. You could see him connecting the dots where he's like, well, I mean, socialists will get elected because American companies are, quote, posted, posting record earnings and firing people. Yes, that, that is accurate. That that, that's how that happens. Yeah. It's like it's almost like earnings and positive outcomes for labor aren't connected in the current system that we live in. It's crazy how that works. I, I like though that it's not like this is new information that they're fretting about. They're fretting about the fact that their dipshit rubes are starting to slowly absorb like like a rock that's been left on the beach for thousands of years. Finally, some of that life-giving water is permeating its porous surface. 
<laughs> you say that, but I I never I don't really blame those workers because the problem is it's like with the coal it's like with the coal thing we've discussed before. It's like it's not it's not that they're buying the Republican talking point. It's just that the Republicans are at least giving them a talking point. The Democrats are offering them fucking nothing. That's fair. Yeah. The actually. Yeah. Vox had an interview with a woman at, uh, I think it was the Detroit factory that's shutting down. And she said that, well, one, Trump had had visited there recently to say like, oh, all these jobs, you know, whatever garbage he usually spouts about manufacturing jobs. And she said half of the people there were still hoping that Trump was going to swoop in and save them somehow. And that's just heartbreaking. They just want it someone is. to help them. And Trump is the only one who even acknowledged their existence. So that's who they're hoping for. Yeah, they're really choosing between like the Republican plan of, you know, it don't cost a cent to do racism and the Democratic plan of uh, we don't really have anything to offer you at all, materially speaking. So well, no, they're, they're offering them uh, a tax break on the student <laughs> loans they'll need to take for retraining in something that is definitely not going to be in like fucking where is this Lordstown, Ohio? Yeah. Yeah, Here's, by the way, I looked, their population's like 3,000 people. So. It's basically the entire yeah. factory and associated businesses. That that whole town it will be shuttered if the factory goes under. Like, the whole town's fucked. Yeah, well, what if I went to my Uncle Donald and I sat him down and I said, look, it's the future now. You got to learn HTML5 and Perl. <laughs> that way, you can program the back end of a web page on Alibaba that sells mechanical cats to Thai people. That's your that's your job now. <laughs> But one of the articles mentioned something about like there are there are jobs and it's like there's no reason to keep production in America when they're selling like they're moving production to China and stuff. They're making most of their sales there. They don't make any money if they're exporting everything. Yeah, they uh, like it's, it's, it's just think... not it's just mathematically it doesn't it doesn't make any sense for anyone for them to keep it here. Yeah, I think like, it was last quarter they uh, they sold more cars in China than they did in America. Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, like, why wouldn't they move production? It's, so I think there's, there's literally, like, nobody is going to make them keep it here. They're going oh, yeah. to do that. I, I think it's a few things happening at once. The big one is 2019 is when they're negotiating with the auto workers union. All the articles gloss over this shit. But they went out of their way to say, well, this is dependent on our negotiation, which means they are going hard to fuck over the union. So the union is forced to compromise on some other position and only two of the three factories close or something like that. Uh, th this is 100 percent an attempt to put the union over the barrel before negotiations start. And the media just ate it up and put it out there, which gives them more power in the negotiation Two, they are trying to refocus on. Uh, things that are more profitable. So a lot of these factories are producing cars that aren't doing well. But rather than, again, because it's run by capitalists instead of labor, so rather than doing what Ford is actually doing, which is taking the factories and converting them to make electrified vehicles, they're just shuttering them entirely because it allows them to get rid of union workers, reducing their costs, and moving it overseas, which is what they're going to do. And then I think three, and this one is a bigger concern for me, I think they... A lot of indicators right now that the economy is about to slam to a halt in the next 10-ish months, and they're trying to build up a bunch of cash reserves. So that way, when this all goes through, 
next year, if the economy tanks, their end of year results won't be as bad because they did this move and they're trying to shore up stock prices ahead of time. So I, I actually think it's a combo of the UAW plus the, they're afraid the economy's about to turn. I will say if these go through and they cut a shitload of jobs in the spring, which is about when this would happen. Yeah, that's that's going to be the end of the economy tanking. And it's way more hollow this time than it was in 08. So it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be real rough this time. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like a good snark everybody. thing, and nope, I got uh, this is gonna be fucking dark. Listen, here's there it is again. Here's the main thing. This this is why you organize because these aren't locked in yet. As a result of them having to get them by the union. Now, are they they doing this in order to put the union in position? Yes, but they could just make these things happen at the drop of a hat if the union wasn't there. The union is one of the few things protecting these people. It's one of the only reasons they're making good money in the first place. More people should be organizing. More people should be striking and better wages can be had. But this is also why labor is important. Labor needs to work together because you can't ever fucking trust capitalists to take care of you. Yeah, I just like to point out that like it's it's tragic what's happening to these jobs. But to your point about not being able to trust capital to take care of you, the dynamic we're seeing played out at a macro level right now of like nationalists versus capitalists it just reminds me of like dudes in their 20s that think the strippers in love with them like when america was the location that all worldly capital was centered around it was like man this is great i think if i just keep doing what i've been doing for the last 18 hours i could live this life infinitely and then capital as capital does goes to where profits are greater on the other side of the world or dispersed or in all the ways that they shelter their own wealth, right? They fuck off and now we're having to grapple with, well, wait a second. If if this wasn't the one love of my life, what what am I supposed to do in this fucking disaster that follows after all the poor decisions I made over the last X amount of time? And I think the answer is, like you said, some amount of organizing fucking right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it, right this goddamn second. Because there's a reason all of the other uh, new auto plants are built in the South, and it's because there's no unions down there. Mm-hmm. Well, God, those are a nightmare. They are. The entire corridor of northern Alabama and northern Georgia is auto manufacturing plants. And none of them treat their employees particularly well, unless they were grandfathered in. But we will, we're going to talk more about labor issues uh, in the future. So I just wanted to make sure we talk about this, because this is a big fucking deal. 15,000 people are about to get screwed by capital just because. And I do want to say this one last bit. When the government bailed them out, they could have forced them to put union workers on the board. They could have restructured GM in a way where the workers owned a significant chunk of the company. And they didn't. They restructured it. They made it a beautiful capitalist system again. And then they fucked right off. Thanks, Obama. What, we're not doing that anymore? I mean, he asked for it this week, didn't Wasn't he the one who was like, listen, oh, America Jesus. produces so much oil now, you should be thanking me. He Ugh. literally said, thank me for that. Like, no. All right, if, if you no, insist. Like, is he is he completely tuned out right now? <laughs> like, he's clearly hanging out with too many rich people. Right now. He's, just like, start, he's like windsurfing too much. Like, Before we leave, Anna has brought us a delicious recipe that she's going to explain, and we'll post a link up. Oh, word? Yes. All right, um, I got, hold on. I got two plastic forks and a paper Dixie bowl from last night that appears to have boudet jigae left over. Is that enough to make the recipe? Uh, 
Yeah, actually, probably. All right. Hell yeah. You, you got my attention. You might be, you might be okay. You might be okay. Um, you do not need a mixer at all for this recipe. Uh, it is an olive oil cake. Mm. Um, so one of my first jobs in the city, I worked at a place with this olive oil cake that we made for the wine bar. Stereotypical Greeks it, everywhere. This was Italian, actually. <laughs> this was Italian. Um, but it's got, like, so much olive oil in it that if you don't, like, watch it as you're pouring it into the pan, it's going to totally separate on you. Um, but once you get the hang of it, it's ridiculously good. I posted a picture yesterday where I made it with some um, Tom Cord grapes for the cookie plate at work. Um, really mm. pretty, really delicious. You can put other, I put plums in it before, too. Um, but basically, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you can kind of tweak it a little bit, but not too much because it's kind of touchy with all, it's just like so much olive oil in it. So, um, you guys want me to like give the actual like recipe recipe or just basic rundown? Uh, just basic rundown and then we'll post up the actual details. Okay. So you're going to take eggs and sugar and you're going to whisk them together with the zest of one citrus fruit of your choice. So, like, orange, lemon, um, Meyer lemon, which is, a, like, a cross between a mandarin and a lemon, really floral in season right now. All awesome. Um, so you get those whisked together, nice and even. Um, then you're going to drizzle in some olive oil and whisk it in. You don't want to work any air into this. You want it super dense. You're going to whisk in some milk. And then you're going to take all your dry stuff, your flour, your salt, your, your leaveners, like your baking powder, baking soda, and whisk it in gradually. And the method here, when you're making a cake that you're not using a mixer for, you want to add your dry, um, like, little circles around the edge of the bowl with your whisk, just to kind of gradually get it in so you have no lumps. And then as you're pouring it into your pan, you want to keep whisking it so you don't have sugar. There's a lot of sugar in the recipe. You don't want it oh, yeah. sinking and sticking. Yeah, it's like, it's it's super, it's like the olive oil and the salt in it balance it. It's not super sweet, but it's like so moist from just the sugar content and the olive oil. Um, awesome with fruit in it, awesome with chocolate sauce, awesome with whatever fruit you have on hand on the side. Um, just a really good, super, like, use really good olive oil, like splurge for something nice, um, Greek olive oil is my favorite. Spanish is pretty good, too. Italian can be uh, adulterated by the mob, so you've got to know it's it's good <laughs> stuff. It actually can. That's a whole thing. The mafia has their fingers in a lot of the food coming out of Italy, so you have to look for a certain label. That's awesome. I guess you do a brother <laughs> yeah. pot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good idea, actually. We, we, might, uh, we might maybe as a, a premium app uh, once we get to doing those. Um, yeah, you should talk to... Uh, you should talk to... My uncle Stash, he's a uh, Italian adjacent pole, and he's got the best zucchini around. If, <laughs> if you know what the fuck I'm talking about, and I'm talking about literal organic <laughs> zucchini. That's awesome. That that is that is the good shit right there. Is this um, is this thing finicky to bake? No. Once you have it in the oven, it's it's a very liquidy batter. Um, so, you know, when you're checking it and you want to rotate it, just kind of give, give it a poke. If it's still really liquidy, let it go for a little while longer before you start rotating it. Um, awesome. and it's, it's so dense that like, if you're not a hundred percent sure if it's done when you poke it, like you can leave it for another few minutes and it's not going to dry it out. It's going to, it's going to be fine once it, 
once it comes out. Um, but I've, I've used this, like I said, I baked it, I baked plums into it and served it with like whipped mascarpone and pine nuts and basil. Fuck, um, I did one last winter with it where it was with like honey fried pears and chestnut honey ice cream and like a little pecorino fried crispy thing. Um, so it, it, it goes great. I mean, olive oil goes with everything, so it goes with everything. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, and I had to it, be sure yeah, to add very small Anna or yeah, please, please make it. Um, and make sure you hashtag me, me with crumb shot. With it. Yeah. Oh. Crumb shot. I wanna, <laughs> let me, let me see your crumb shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. She asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there thanks. are way too many people who really are going to enjoy me saying that. <laughs> hold, hold on. I, I'm very frantically uh, scrubbing my Ezekiel bread crust onto a nice <laughs> white plate. <laughs> this is my bread tribute to Anna. <laughs> <laughs> you can also hashtag it bread tribute. <laughs> yeah, I will take bread tribute. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. All right. DMs are open. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Uh, thank you, Anna, for joining us. And be sure to listen to the Breadline Pod when the next new episodes come out. Soon. Word. Word. <laughs>